Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me as always, well, pretty much always, DJ Mark. Howdy, partner. Also with me, less always, Kid Presentable. Damn, I don't, I don't got a better hello to celebrate uh, Red Dead Redemption Week. But uh, yeah, another Westworld salute to you. Wait, is that this week? I thought it was next Friday this whole Friday. time. Is Friday, this Friday? Baby. Oh, okay. Well, good thing I just bought it. Good call. Um, and here even less, though in fairness, he was gone for a year. It's really ruining his average. Lavender Grooms. Hola, caballeros y señoritas. Oh, that's Red Dead 2. Oh, Mike's ready. Mike, no Mike, Spanish, right? And not Portuguese. Ma- Mike just bought Red Dead 1. Mike, just a heads up. When you enter Mexico in the game, you're going to think I'm almost done. No. You got like at least 60% of the game left. Don't forget. No. You know what? It is a fake news that I just bought it, but uh, <laughs> I will fire up the PS4 to see how much Red Dead costs as a download. Oh, that's going to cost more money than just buying it on Amazon, man. Um, you, heads up, you can't get the first Red Dead on PS4, but you can subscribe to PlayStation Now, which is their streaming service, and they have Red Dead, and you can probably get like a week for free or something. You if you first... really plow through it, you might be able to beat it. No, you can't. A week? If you really plow through, like Mike puts all his, no, actually, no, he doesn't have enough time in the day. So. You mean like literally don't go to work and just play by PlayStation? That Mike, do you, have a, do you have a PS3, Mike? I don't, but I can't play PS3 games on my PS4. Mike, like a proper man child, you have to occasionally take a PTO day just because you want to stay home and play video games. I'm just saying it's 30 bucks for on, on Xbox 360, $25 on PS3. That's yeah. it, games and still cost that much? Xbox. Jesus. Xbox One is backwards compatible, but uh, it would be funny if Mike took a day off to play Red Dead and his coworkers like, "Oh, playing that new Red Dead 2. He's like, "No, no, no, that one that came out eight years ago, just now getting it going, and I'm taking a day off for it." Mike, just letting you know, you got to go back farther. You got to get a Red Dead Revolver. The hell is that? No, that's fake news. That that's the technically the first game that was made by Capcom before. And we're gonna get into all the Red Dead stuff later, Bobby. You're flipping the show up on its head. We're, we're doing Red Dead this week. The game's not even out yet. We're gonna review a game that's not even out yet. We're no, just excited. I, I hype it up. Okay. Um, two weeks of hype and then coming down. Um, guys, uh, we're back this week. We're gonna. Well, um, we're gonna talk about some random shit. I don't even know what happened in the news. Um, Eddie Alvarez got fucking paid, right? I mean, what do you want? I mean, he got an eight-figure deal. Even the lowest eight-figure deal is fucking amazing. I was gonna say. I mean, how many he said is not as many fights as you think it is. When he say says eight figures, I'm assuming they gave him exactly ten million dollars. And exactly, my guess, yeah. my guess is eight fights. Does anybody think Eddie's fighting more or less than that? Ten fights. You're thinking ten fights? <laughs> That's a lot of fights, man. It is a lot of fights. Eight fights is a lot of fights. <laughs> Well, I mean, you said it's I less mean, than I, what you think. I would hope it was less because I, I kind of hope it's one of those affliction contracts where, oh, like, this motherfucker's making five million a fight. Like, it's actually only two fights. That's <laughs> he signed him for two fights. That'd be awesome. He's gonna fight Aoki twice. <laughs> yeah, that's 
shout out to him getting paid. Um, some unfortunate news. This New York card takes another hit. Where um, Rockhold, dude's always hurt, man. Oh man, it 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 can't really take it. This is like a boxer going into the last round. It really can't take any more hits at this point. Dude, he needed this. Off. I think he needed this one. I think this was a fight he needed to win, too. Like this was a big one for him. It is, yeah. Um, I mean, I was kind of surprised that he was still floating at middleweight. I thought it was all but a foregone conclusion he was going to move up. Um, I mean, maybe he thought he had a chance because this is the last guy that he kind of cleanly beat. But um, the replacement fight's not bad. You yeah. Know, the car can't take a hit. Like, Jacare Weidman, that's pretty 1A, 1B type territory. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course it is. It's just, you know. I don't know. I mean, the first one, I, it's hard to say. Like, the first fight already happened. We already saw Rockhold and Weidman, but. Yeah, yes, Bobby, two... you just want two handsome white men. It was a handsome. That was a handsome ass fight. Mike, are you a little bit surprised we haven't already seen Weidman and Jacare? Because when they announced that, I'm like, oh, yeah, two? And then I'm that, like, what? that, that didn't happen that yet? That sounds like the type of fight that's happened before, but I guess not. I'm pretty excited about it. I would have liked to have seen Weidman go up against Rockhold again, but this isn't a bad uh, constellation. Yeah, I mean, Nate Diaz is off the card, so fuck the whole thing in general. But overall, yeah. not the worst thing. So this week is going to start a eight-week stretch where there's a fight every fucking weekend. Um, here are the main events for these cards. This weekend, Vulcan Ozdemir, Anthony Smith in Moncton, New Brunswick. It's in Canada. Uh, after that, I got no time for that because that's a six fight main card. Mm -hmm. Good thing we're picking it. Good thing we're going to have people listen to us talk about it though. Good call. Good job. Um, live on pay-per-view the following week, Daniel Cormier, Derek Lewis. Um, after that, uh, that anniversary card in Denver with Frankie Edgar and the Korean Zombie. And I'm praying to whoever I need to pray to that that fight happens. Because that's pretty legit, too. That's I mean, that card is loaded. And also, that I love that fight, Steph. Zombie and uh, Frankie Edgar. I mean, Korean Zombie is like my favorite fighter, period. You yeah. put him against anyone, I'm interested. And you know I'm going to be wearing that shirt that stiffed him on a lot of money. Just exactly. Just a shirt. Um, and I, this is another good one. The following week in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Neil Magny and Ponzinibbio going to throw down. That's a good one right there. Week after that in China. Uh, day after Black Friday. Otherwise known as two days after Thanksgiving. I, I think. Um, we're going to run back Francis Ngannou and Curtis Blades. Which Curtis Blades survived. You guys lost because of a cut. So that one's kind of interesting there. Right, that, that right there. Week after that. Rafael Dos Anjos and uh, Kamaru Usman on the, uh, that's a Friday, the, the Ultimate Fighter finale. And then the Saturday, they're in Australia with Junior Dos Santos and uh, Tai Tuivasa. That's another good one. If they're in Vegas Friday night and they're in Australia the next day on Saturday, are these cards going to be separated by like five hours? Like, isn't Australia cards always early in the day or something? It seems like it. It seems like that's a high probability that will happen. I'm going to go to sleep with fights on, wake up with different fights on. Ooh, maybe they're actually at the same time and we'll get a simulcast. Can we make that happen? I'm still in favor of that idea. Um, then start praying to whoever you pray to. Max Holloway and Brian Ortega going to throw it out on pay-per-view with the co-main event of Joanna Janjacek and uh, Valentina Shevchenko. And I'll give you an early preview of the pick. I think I was going to make the ballsy call for Ortega. You did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still hold on to that. I had tickets to that thing, man. I was bummed. Um, and then Saturday, December 15th, Kevin Lee... 
Whereas Ally Quinta too. God, there's some good fights going on around 155, 170 pounds. It's their second fight. They did it. A, they did it a long time ago. See, people don't even remember it. Kevin Lee was. They've both gotten a lot better. It was like Kevin Lee's first or second UFC fight, I think. Maybe Ally Quinta's like first or second after the Ultimate Fighter. I think Al got him by decision, if I'm not mistaken. But they both like. I mean, Kevin Lee might have gotten better, like than Ally Quinta in that time. Al's still a very good fighter, but Kevin Lee was green as grass when he showed up. So. Um, we're going to lead it off, though, this week with this uh, card in New Brunswick, in Moncton. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. Um, mentioned that we lost Luke Rockhold uh, this past week from um, from the New York card. Lost his fight. Lost his fight. Lost his fight. We didn't lose him. Go <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, and then uh, John Jones was complaining that people who diminish his legacy because of his drug tests are idiots or something. And I'm like, I need you to stop talking, man. Let's just let's just get you to the cage. You talk all that shit after you fight. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I did I miss a bunch of news this week, or did fucking nothing happen? Real talk. Can, can I just add one thing about John Jones? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that you like to hear from him a lot less if he's not talking shit about Daniel Cormier? He becomes a much less likable person, and in a bad way, if he's not talking shit about Daniel Cormier. He the shit he talks is just like. I was found innocent. I'm like, no, man, you weren't. <laughs> like, you really weren't. I don't care, but let's not lie to the fucking people. Just get your ass in the cage. Um, and um, UFC is going to go to Russia in February. Good for them. Um, the other news, and I, I enjoyed this one, is that um, UFC, uh, uh, Fox Network is losing the UFC at the end of this year. And then next year, in the fall, they're going to pick up uh, WWE's property, SmackDown. And apparently, they want more of a sports show. So they want Daniel Cormier to be the color commentator for SmackDown. Um, Marcus, you think DC can handle that job? (laughs) It seems weird. Um, I mean, obviously, we've seen him do commentary on UFC. He does a good job. Uh, Pro wrestling is a different kind of game though altogether when, when you're doing commentary i mean you're more you're part of the show right when when you're doing commentary for a sporting event you're really delegating the action trying to make it as digestible to the audience but you know when you're doing pro wrestling commentary you are you're usually playing a shtick right like usually there's a there's a guy that's the good guy the face and there's a guy that's a heel and I don't know where Daniel will slot in, but I think I think what you have to have for that position is a lot of charisma, and I think DC has that. Um, I mean, re- real quickly, Marcus, Stefan, I think we all know where Daniel Cormier, what role he's going to be. It's that third man role in WWE, all of their commentary, right? Oh, black smiling dude. black guy. Smiling black guy. Oh, they got a black guy. I'm wondering where Coachman is. They fired him for Renee Young. She's better no than the, the the lady that's talking. Oh, I thought it was like a scandal or something. No, no, he's just he's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so they send him this. It's because Jonathan Coachman was a heel, but you they don't need the black guy to be the heel. They just need him to be the third guy who chimes in occasionally and is often talked over. Yeah, they need, so they need they, to be like the Daryl from Walking Dead. I mean, that was a real interesting play, way to put it. But sure, let's go with that. No, they need Renee Young there so they can do stuff like go to Saudi Arabia. And then they can point and say, well, we got a lady commentator. Um, um, also, also, yeah, I mean, let's just be honest. That's what's happening. 
Um, same reason they have a pay-per-view the week before they go to Saudi Arabia. That's all women. Um, on the commentary front, Mauro Ronaldo um, sounds like he's not under contract with Bellator. Either, <clears throat> either as of right now or as of the end of the year. And that he says he'd like to call MMA. Um, I think Moro is the best combat sports broadcaster ever. Just based on how many different ways, how many different styles he's able to call. And quite frankly, he does it differently, like based on location almost. It's interesting. And uh, somebody should hire him because he's better at this than all of them. I'm asked my feelings at least. What do you think, Marcus? Um, I mean, I, I have a, a checkered pass with Morrow, and I think he's good. I think you can slot him in anywhere, and um, you know, he always brings excitement and knowledge. Uh, I, I mean, I, he's just not my personal favorite. Um, but I don't wish any ill will towards the man at all. And I mean, he de- definitely has a talent for this, and you would hope that he would be able to find a home somewhere. There's just not a lot of, you know, big MMA organizations nowadays, and there's even less that have, you know, kind of a foothold in English commentary, right? I mean, really, there's not a lot of big organizations. You're really just talking in the States, UFC and Bellator. And then outside of that, you have Ryzen and 1FC, and I don't even know if they have English uh, broadcasting at all. So, I mean, it's also like, look, I'm not – I like Goldberg. I mean, I don't think he's good, but Goldberg and Rogan were just what I got used to. So I got, I got, I like Goldberg on some level, but I don't get why Bellator would have him over Morrow. Morrow's better than uh, John Annick's fine. I think Morrow's better. Morrow's better than anybody the UFC's got right now. I know your favorite is Steven Quadro. See, I don't know if he even does it anymore. Uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was really Quadros and Boss was the, because Quadros and Ether Boost just hasn't been as good. Um, and I, there's some people that I, I mean, I like more than more. I like the English. I, I think we all love the English team in the team in the UFC. And if they even expanded them to do more events, I'd be totally down with it. But it makes sense why why they slot them where they do. Um, yeah, it's just. I mean, really, by what it comes down to, like he's already with Bellator, right? If they don't renew his contract, oh no, he's to, he 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 publicly is asking for work release. They're, he's so, done. I mean, if he wants to do MMA commentary, there's really one only one other place he's going to make any money at, right? I mean, he could do king of the cage and what have you but he's not going to earn much of a paycheck there so it's like he really wants to get in the ufc and i don't know if the ufc is interested in having morrow because he is so painted with other organizations i don't really know if i think bellator and scott coker are totally fine getting familiar voices into their product and trying to use that to shoehorn you in and make you feel comfortable with it. i think that's why they have goldie because they think that if someone who used to watch UFC stumbles upon Bellator on the Paramount channel and they hear Goldie, they're gonna be like, "Oh, I remember this this guy's voice." You know, they might even they might, they might not pick, picture him being a, the UFC guy; he's just a voice they remember. But I don't think UFC really all the talent that they've gotten in the booth have been either fighters or people that haven't done commentary anywhere else. Like Goldie didn't do anywhere else before, and I don't think I mean maybe Anik did somewhere. I have no idea. Well, they got, they got the Anik from, from English did it from somewhere else, but I have no idea. I, I just think, I mean, look, I don't know how much they're giving up control to ESPN when this deal starts. If they are, that seems like somebody ESPN could put on payroll. That's they know true. they know he's that a serious be they know he's a serious adult. Um he does he I mean he call, if he's good enough to call Mayweather fights on Showtime with four million people buying, 
he's good enough for a random fight night out of Montauk or whatever the fuck they're going to be. Man, um, you act like Stephen A. Smith isn't just going to get slapped on this. Yo, Stephen A. Smith wasn't that bad when they put him on TV after Khabib called the cause the riot because he's just like, he's like, Connor's got to gotta stop Khabib from going low. And I'm like, he's right. Khabib's going low and taking him down. He's not wrong necessarily. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I don't even know. I mean, there's like no news. So let's just fucking talk about some history, Mike. You you dug up some stuff this week, right? Yes, I did. Let you tell the folks what we. This is where I think. Uh, I'm hope I'm wondering if Mark can bust out some obscure shit that happened to this at this event besides what you say. But go ahead. Well, the the main thing that happened in the past week in MMA was 20 years ago on October 16th. The UFC went to Brazil for the first time in the appropriately named Ultimate Brazil. And at that event, a very young Vitor Belfort, I'm assuming had stopped using the Gracie name by this point, uh, knocked out Vanderlei Silva in 44 seconds. And more notably, uh, Pat Militich became the first welterweight champion of the UFC. That's right. The highlight... Um marcus of vitor bum rushing vandalay that's gonna be in the ufc highlight reels forever right uh yeah i mean that was a huge fight obviously for the time now i have to look at the event now to figure out like what the fuck even happened. pedro pedro his own knocked out tank abbott right yeah i mean because really uh the vanderlay uh belford knockout was easily like the thing that left the biggest impression you know it really skyrocketed uh, Victor Belfort, because I think at the time, and I have to look at the records again, I think Vanderlei was killing it at IVC at that point. He was already deemed the axe murderer, had fought some you know high-level wrestlers and was able to stop them. And this was kind of, I think this might have been his second fight, I think, was, in the it, UFC. It was his first UFC fight. It was his first one, okay. And it was really, you know, they were just, it on paper, it was a fantastic fight. And, you know, Belfort just did what he did back then. He just obliterated Vanderlei and just, you know, with a barrage of punches. Um, but, you know, looking at the event, you know, you also had uh, Frank Shamrock, I think maybe defending his, I don't think he had a belt back then. Yeah, he I mean, was. He defended it. That, he, they actually did have the belts back yeah. then. Jeez, I don't really remember when. Uh, oh, it was right before. Oh, it's because 17's where he won it, I think, yeah. from uh, the Young Guns or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, uh, back in the day, they used to do these ultimate, you know, ultimate ultimates and ultimate Brazil and ultimate Japan because they weren't strictly going by the numbers. And uh, this was a big one, but it was mostly that Belford fight really put him on the map. I mean, e even more so because the guy was already killing it in early UFC competition. So it was just a high level, a uh, combative fight against, you know, two guys in Brazil. And uh, it was, you know, a fantastic. Uh, I mean, they were both, they were both kids, man. They were both five and one. They were both kids. That was, they were the young as hell in the game. Vitor was probably, and this is what, how old is Vitor now? Like 41, 42? Vitor was probably like 21 or something like that. Like, I mean, uh, Vanderlei, we looked up his age the other day. He couldn't have been much, yeah. Vanderlei was 21 years old when this happened? 22 years old? I mean, come on. Vitor is still just 41 years old. Yeah, Jesus, they were kids. Uh, Vitor had already gotten his ass kicked by Randy Couture, though. Randy Couture grown mandem all over the goddamn octagon. Uh, Pat Militich, Steph. The Militich camp, Pat Militich, captain of the ship over there, was the was the one, uh, what was then called the UFC middleweight title, became the UFC welterweight title. Pat looked like he was going to hold on to that thing for a while before the Ronin came in and took it from him, huh? 
I mean, yeah. To be honest, uh, I'm not super familiar with his career. Honestly, his his run in the UFC is kind of in the darker ages of the UFC. Um, I wasn't super into it yet, and even if I was, uh, my eyes were probably on Pride. But um, kind of to what you alluded to, the Militich camp was kind of the they were the face of the UFC for a little bit of time with Matt Hughes, and then um, oh my God, Jens, big, Jens Pulver, yeah, Pulver, and then um, the heavyweight Tim Sylvia. Sylvia, you know, like, you know, say what you want about his run, but there was a point where they were kind of running the game in the UFC, and these were the greats. You know, this is still Matthews. You know, he he wasn't the... I mean, if Miltich is active, he's not about to... He's about to go on his run, but, you know, they're, you respect them for their history and their contributions as, like, the true trailblazers of the sport. Marcus, let me ask you. I'm not sure... I mean, I'm not sure how much you were paying attention back in 98 or whatever, but... Pat Militich lost the belt, as I mentioned, to um, to one of our favorites, uh, Carlos Newton. And then Carlos Newton, it was kind of a surprise, I guess, when Matt Hughes powerbombed his ass and won the title. Were people calling for Matt Hughes versus Pat Militich at all, or did they shut that shit down real quickly themselves? No, yeah, there really wasn't. I, I mean, from what I mean, and this wasn't, we're talking dark ages, like there wasn't a lot of MMA media period commentating on like what the public was really screaming for because there really wasn't a ton of it. But uh, I never heard any inklings of uh, Pat and uh, Matt kind of Pat wanting to get the belt back. I think once uh, Matt Hughes got the belt, Pat, I think more or less felt like he also earned it through osmosis, right? Like training this guy, you know, your student beats the the guy that beat you kind of deal. And I don't, and I think at that point too, Pat Militage was already kind of one foot out, really wasn't super active after the Carlos Newton fight. As far as I remember, I think he did have another UFC fight. Um, and then I think he definitely slowed down. He was a coach on IFL, and I think they yeah. had a couple fights in there. But I think by the time Matt got it, I mean, I don't think Pat really had any interest in, in fighting his pupil, which I also think he just kind of knew, like, Matt is a younger, stronger dude. Yeah. I don't need to get pounded on him to know that I don't need the belt anymore. You know, my time as champion is kind of passed. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think there was any inklings. Kind of like what we saw with Faber and TJ. There was never anything like that. Like will they? Won't they? You, 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 like, you know, Dana. You know, if Dana was owning, was owned the UFC back then, he would have been like, "Yo, these two got to fight now, right? I'm trying to break up this team. I'm trying to separate and conquer." Um, this was, if I'm not mistaken, Mike. They didn't come back again. Until uh, UFC 134, right? Was that? Oh, they did an ultimate. They, they they did a was Ultimate Brazil a different one? Or that was the same one? This one was called Ultimate Brazil. I yeah. don't know if they had it. Yeah. Two they didn't. They didn't come back until 2011 with uh, Anderson Silva and Yushin Okami um, main eventing out of Rio. Uh, that was a sick card. Forrest and Shogun. Barbosa on there, little a big nog, big nog got murdered by Brendan Schaub. Oh wait, other way around. Never mind. Crowd went, the crowd lost their damn mind. Um, Mark, do you want to do twenty questions? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can do twenty questions now. I have a fighter in mind that I am thinking of, and you guys have twenty questions to get it. Uh, who knows how this is going to go? Who knows? I don't even want to guess if it's going to be easier. So, well, uh, you'll, you'll let us know. Uh, I mean, you'll let us know if he's a pretty hard one, right? We, I, you'll have to 
Use a question to figure out the sex of this particular. <laughs> Mike, Ooh, Mike, I thought Mike was gonna get one in on you. Uh, I gotta get uh, a freebie. Mike wasn't even slick with it. Mike's like, I'm sure you'll tell us if he. <laughs> he did have to the he a little bit. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, Could have maybe on a different day got me, Mike. But I'm still, I'm still spry right now. I, I also didn't. I also forgot that um, even though we're doing an audio podcast, the way we record this is on Google Hangout. Mm-mm. And right after I finished saying that statement, I had a very guilty face on. Oh yeah, you lean into the microphone. Smile. Too. <laughs> smile. Um, All right, so, so I, I I got one. Is it a dude? It is a gentleman this week. Are they active, Mark? Uh, yeah, they're active. This is like when you play Hangman and like you, you know you know you already know your first like five guesses uh, just based I'm, on odds. I'm gonna go with one of my favorite questions. Here we go. Here we go. You know what? I don't know. Mark tends to not pick the brothers, so uh, is he white? He is white. I'll let you know. I picked an African American gentleman <laughs> just last week, so don't paint this, this broad stroke. <laughs> but on this particular week, for no particular reason, yeah, this guy's white. <laughs> um, dude, what was the answer to the active question? I'm sorry. Yes, they right. are active. Mm-hmm. Had this person held a championship? In Bellator, Strike Force, UFC, etc. Uh, yes, this person is a was a is a champion. Are they as that belt? Hold that belt. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, Steph. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, uh, are they American white? Uh, they are American white, and that is five. An active champion. Are they an active champion? As in, are they currently champion now? They are not currently champion now. Okay, because that is was shit you did earlier. That shit threw me off. Well, I gotta, I gotta, you know, sometimes I might let something slip. I gotta cover all the bases. Can I, I say per- my favorite thing that Mark does now is when he likes to be real cheeky about an answer that's incredibly obvious. Like, is this guy Dutch? He might be Dutch. Actually, Wikipedia pages are really long, and I gotta scroll up and down to get the info. I just want to say this right now: if you're listening to this week's podcast and you make it all the way through this thing, knowing nothing's happening in MMA, and we're gonna end, we're gonna talk about Vulcan Ozdemir and Anthony Smith as our big fucking crescendo of this thing. We love you so much. Just yeah, know that the, of the games, and we're right in the middle of one right now, Bobby. We're at six. Uh, this person are- was this has this person fought in the UFC. Post UFC 100. Uh, yes. Are they one of the little guys, lightweights and under? Uh, lightweight and under, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Talking about a little guy. Was the champion? Mike, Mike oh, one second. Was this person? A, was this person a champion in the UFC? Uh, they were not a UFC champion. All right. Who has fucking divisions at lightweight and less? Okay. It has to be fucking lightweight. Wait, have have we asked if he's in the UFC? Right now? Yeah, because we've we know he's active. And well, we haven't I don't, asked. I don't think you guys asked if he was active in the UFC yet. Just that he's active and he has a belt. He's an American white guy. He's little. <laughs> well, had a belt. You, you know. Had a belt, yes. Is he currently in the UFC? Yes. 
This gentleman currently fights for the promotion that we refer to as the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Okay, G-Man, like... <laughs> I'm giving you guys some, some breathing room to think of your next hot question. Okay, uh, so let's, just to recap, this person is an active fighter at 155 pounds or less. Mm-hmm. They were a champion mm-hmm. in an organization that wasn't the UFC. Mm-hmm. They are active... They're currently in the UFC. Mm-hmm. They are white American. Yes. How many, how many questions are we at? We're at 10. We're halfway there. Stefan? Hmm. I only got one guy in mind off the top of my head. And uh, I'm blanking on a way. I, to- I, I, I want to narrow down what weight class. I want to narrow down what weight class they were champion at because I don't think Mark knows champions sub 155 pounds. Anyway, Take a stab at it, Bob. Take a stab at it. It's mean. This, but okay. what, no, I mean, a lot of who, who, who fucking even has those people? It's like Bellator and that's it. Marcus, was this person a champion at 155 pounds? They happen to be, yes, Bobby. So there we go. <laughs> okay. It's uh, Mr. I, I, I got Mr. Punch drunk on my head, but I can't think of any questions to tie to him. Who's Mr. Uh, Punch drunk? Yeah, I was going to say. The yeah. one who kept getting knocked out, and we wondered if he was done, and then he won his last fight in spectacular fish fashion against Vic. Diego? No, Diego is not a white American. Gaethje. Justin Gaethje. That's oh, Justin Gaethje. Ah, uh, yeah. Punch drunk. Was this person Was this person lightweight champion in Bellator? Uh, no. They were not lightweight champion in the Bellator. Let's just start narrowing down fucking organizations. Who wants to ask Strike Force? Wait, are, are we sure it's not Gaethje yet? No, we are. No, no we're not because he was Ooh. World Series of Fighting. Should we ask if he was a champion? Or was World he Series the champion in World Series of Fighting, Mark? Uh, no, he was not the oh, champion. Okay. Just not Justin Gaethje. Gaethje. All right. He was a champion. off. Have we ticked off what organization he was champion at? That's what we're trying to do right now, man. Oh. That's the last two questions. You want, um, was this person champion in Strike Force? Uh. Yeah. Correct. Correct. That is where they Strike, held the belt. Strike Force only had a 155 division, so he well, had many already, divisions. It wasn't just 155. Okay. Well, he also he already the said lowest, it was lowest division. He, we, uh, he, we, he, <laughs> yeah. All right. These are our options. Gilbert's not white. He's in the UFC. Josh Thompson's white. I was just, I was just about to ask Josh Thompson. Right? Josh he Thompson. Won, won Josh Thompson. Thompson he's not in the UFC though. I thought he was in Bellator last, right? He's in oh, Bellator. Right. He's an active U- This guy's an active UFC fighter. Who the fuck did Gilbert beat for that belt before Josh Thompson? Oh, Is KJ Noons active? Was he champion? Was that no, a thing? No, he, he's, he's not in the UFC anymore. He was the champion of uh, the one that Kimbo folded. Elite? Yeah, Elite XC. Okay. And also, KJ fought Nick. I don't think he fought... Gilbert. Okay, this is literally just a memory test now. This is be Googled in four seconds. All right, come on. Who's in the fucking UFC still? That, that was a while ago. Mm-hmm. That was Strike Force 155 yeah. champion, yeah. a white dude. Um, Mark, oh, Mark, I know who was in Strike Force. Uh, right? I, I think I know who it is. Go ahead. Um, channeling. I think it was him. Uh, He's got the fingers on the temple. Is did he was he like the tongue? Did he win that tequila Casadoris like man of the year thing like four times? 
I don't know. Let me see if I can find. <laughs> Sorry, I won't. Okay. okay uh, <laughs> new question. <laughs> I okay. New question. Uh, is his nickname the Carpenter due to his Jesus-like resemblance? Oh. Right, hold on. Wait. Clay Guido fought in Strike Force. He did. He was like the original Strike Force champion. If I uh, he might be. Step might have got this. Well, I don't want. It, you know. Is his nickname the Carpenter? It, it, it has. It happens to be, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to draw. I'd like to solve it. Uh, is is the man of the week Clay Guida? It, it is Clay Guida. You guys, dude, got Steph, it. that was that was well done, man. man I we pulled that shit. one out of. When you said it, I was like, "Oh shit, he did fight Gilbert." He, he actually he uh yeah no you're right Gilbert beat him he beat Josh Thompson in their first Strike Force event which they had already had a belt for on the line but yeah good job uh Clay had you know somewhat of a storied history before getting into the UFC being a Strike Force champion beating uh Josh Thompson uh, ultimately in his next fight he lost to Gilbert um then he had a fight in Shudo which was badass but he did lose by armbar in a minute uh. And then he he made his debut in WEC and then transitioned to the UFC from there. Um, and, you know, from there, he's had classic fights with Mac Danzig, Nate Diaz, Roger Roberta, Tyson Griffin, uh, Diego Sanchez, Kenny Florian. Dude, remember, when we, remember we thought Mac, we thought Mac Danzig, people thought Mac Danzig, Danzig was going to be a thing. Like He was a good round fighter, just could never really get it together. Um, and he, he won, and Clay he won was tough, just like, right? Uh, yeah, I think he did win tough. Uh, and Clay was just kind of a hard-nosed wrestler. Uh, that's really what got him the victory with uh, Josh Thompson, was just taking this dude down every round and grounding and pounding him. And uh, still active today. His last fight was in June. It was a, a loss to um, Charles Oliveira. But after that, before that, he had a win over uh, Joe Lozon and uh, Eric Kronk. So, yeah, he's always been kind of a journeyman in the UFC. Uh he got Fighter of the Year in 2009 with Diego Sanchez from a lot of different organizations. Oh, he got kicked right in the fucking head in the first round, I remember. Dude got right up. Right in the head, though, he got kicked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, good get, guys. You know, I thought he would be... I knew you guys would get the title, right? And I, he was somewhat obscure being the first one, really before Strike Force was big. But uh, Steph really pulled that out. You know, he got yeah. that dug in deep. That was all Steph. We were fucked. I guess it's just one of the weird facts I remember is that Clay Guida, when when that Tequila Cazadores like Man of the Year award was happening, Clay won it every single year, and I just I just specifically remember that about him for whatever reason. I have a memory of F selling Mark uh, for some reason. I'm like I'm like, oh man, Gilbert versus Clay Guida be a good fight, and Mark's like, yeah, that already happened like five years ago. I was like, oh. Well, okay, fuck me. I mean, <laughs> I I think, uh, one of the things you could say about Clay Guida is uh, his fights were really spectacular if he was getting his ass kicked. Like, <laughs> if Clay was winning, it was probably a boring grind fest. But, like, like what was one, you know, we, we talked about him last week. What was one of Benson Henderson's best fights is when he just lit up Clay Guida for the duration of the match. Um, yeah, I, I mean, props to him, though, because, you know, for a guy who kind of had the same grindy style in his more recent fights, he's actually evolved. And you don't really see guys really change up their fight strategy north of 33, but uh, Clay Guida did it. He doesn't seem shopworn. He just is still Clay Guida, and the game is just people are more talented now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's always been hard work with that guy, you know. And uh, old age hasn't really slowed him down. He's still getting it together. But you know, I think his, his days as title contender might be past him. But you know, in today's climate, you really don't know. You you can string together a good year and a half 
with some high quality fights, which he gets regularly, um, he could get back in the picture if he has some good solid wins. But he he always reminded me of a guy like where like he kind of like it's what I would say about Bisping, where I was just like this guy literally there was not like he used a hundred percent of any of any athletic ability he had. There was nothing left out there. Like there was nothing left over when this guy was done. Like he used everything he had. It was just sheer will. You know, it wasn't, you know, natural God's gift at that point. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of natural gifts, like you would say. He's not a super tall guy or anything like that. He just has a hard work ethic, and he just pushes guys. And uh, he's made quite a career out of it so far. So, And, you know, we've probably got at least a couple more years left of him, so uh, we'll see where the, where this trend goes. I mean, we, we still got to get to the Bellator run for him. I mean, yeah, you know there's going to be a Bellator. You know there's going to be an old-timers where he's going to fight Diego again where they're, when they're both the, the Ken Shamrock and Hoist Gracies. You know, when they're kicking 45 near 50, so we're going to I think a lot of the guys we're watching now, the the length of time we're going to see fighters still actively comp- compete might get longer and longer. Are we Hell, uh, send him to uh, one FC? Eddie will need some challengers. Are we getting to the um, are we getting to bare knuckle fight time? Is that happening this weekend or did that happen? I have no idea. I mean, I'm just saying, Mark. It's it's happening soon because I know I saw what's his name post about it. Um big rig god bless him this is the other i like that there's a second organization <laughs> bare knuckle fighters this is the other one this one's got uh Lieben, i think we watched the one with chris lytle chris lytle should be in the ufc it's just He's, i don't i don't need two bare knuckle just get one i just i can only <laughs> handle one bare knuckle fighting i can't spend that much money on just bare knuckle fighting yeah um but it's a good card yeah um Let's talk about uh, this card this this weekend. Anthony Smith is on a goddamn run, um, and the UFC is going to reward him by sending his ass to Canada um, to take on Vulcan Ozdemir, who um, I don't remember last time Vulcan Ozdemir fought anybody, if I'm being honest with myself. It's been a fucking while. I think it might have been when he lost to DC. Uh, Stefan, what are the odds here? The odds are surprisingly close in my mind, but it's Minus 185 for uh, no time with Anthony Smith, a decently close plus 160. Anthony Smith has won one, two, three, four, five, five of six. Lost to Tiago Santos in the middle there. Steph, who do you got? Um, I got no time. It, it really just comes down to who I think the better prospect is, and I think it's Vulcan. Um, you know, they, they both stand. Vulcan's got really crisp hands. He made DC worry about it, right? DC had to go to wrestling. He had to go to his bread and butter to take that fight from him. He he was being threatened by the hands. Smith, he's got too many losses for me to be, be really believe in him as a true surging contender. And when I look at his wins, it's it's not it, you know there's some names on it, but for me to say that I don't think those guys are all in the downswing of their careers, you know, it'd be it'd kind of be a lie. I just um, if Smith wins, maybe I'll finally start buying into him, but I don't buy into him yet. I got Anthony Smith. Fuck it, I think he's got this, man. He's confidence is a confidence gets you far in life, and he's a very confident man right now. Um, I I, I wanted to see him fight Gustafson. Not that I thought he was going to win, but he was really feeling himself after that last victory, and Gus kind of you know avoided it. I think Vol- I think this is going to be a decent fight, quite frankly. I don't know what happens to Vulcan Ozdemir if the fight start take starts taking a little bit of time, you know. Mike, you know, I don't know what happens exactly there. And I think Anthony Smith is going to survive long enough for us to find out. And I'm behind like four fights behind Stefan. 
So if it's close and I'm debating it, I'm picking opposite of this dude. So I got Anthony Smith. Mike? <laughs> I like your strategy, Bobby. I'm actually going to go the opposite strategy. I think we still got a few months. So if it's close, I'm going to just latch on to Stefan. But that's not what I'm doing in this case. I do think Ozemir is going to win this fight. I don't think we're going to have a repeat of what happened with Nganu, where Nganu, you know, just became, you know, gun shy in his next fight. I think Ozdemir, although Anthony Smith is on quite a run and he looked really impressive in his last fight, I'm still going to give it to Ozdemir first round KO. First round KO. He's got no time, man. Just like I got no time to watch this fight because there's six fucking fights on this card. I'm Mikey trying to sleep. I mean, I'm playing Red Dead. That's what's happening. Um, Mark? Uh, yeah, it's tough because I honestly, a long time ago, this is the Smith I always get confused. There's another Smith, Bobby, and it's and this was the one I liked. That's the that's the weird part. Like this is the one I saw get a triangle choke and strike force. I was like, yeah, this kid might be good. And I've counted him out in basically all of his fights leading up to this one, and including this one. I'm not picking him still because I don't feel that confident. Um, I mean, really, I, I my mindset is uh goes matches up really well, with Stefan. I. I Voldemir just he showed a lot in those early fights and he lost against DC which I mean there's no shame there that guy's you know top notch he did hit him though Stefan made a point he made, made him worry about it he, he cracked him a little bit yeah and um and I think Anthony Smith is kind of coming into his own and even before I mean Bobby you read like he was six and one in his last five or seven or something and you look even before that and this dude had like a string of like 10 wins in a row uh that being said it's just I'd never he showed a lot of technical prowess early in the day, and that's kind of why I, I got onto him a little bit. But I haven't seen that evolve too much. I liked his, his last two wins. I mean, really, when you look at him, he's getting a lot of knockouts, and that's kind of why I like Voldemir here, too. If he comes out aggressive, he might be able to catch him. It is kind of a tough fight. I would not mind seeing Anthony Smith get the win here and kind of get into that title picture because it could be a really interesting prospect like an old veteran that's kind of you know that's kind of floated on their wings i mean mostly because he fought at middleweight and he you know he had a good stretch there but he never really got into the picture there and now he's getting yeah he's uh he, he's 30 years old but i mean he's got miles he's got, on him he's got miles but 30 not bad you know i, I mean know. he's he's he, his record i think a good way of looking at how good he's been since 2000 since 2014 he's 13 and 2 I think that's, the best thing to look at at this fight is that we have two. I don't know what they're. Do, do you guys have rankings on where they're ranked in light heavyweight? They're not, they're top five, six, both of top them. Top five, definitely top ten, and and they're around thirty. Like that, that's the most promising thing. Win, loser, draw. This division is kind of dry, and to have two youngish guys, we're going to be seeing these guys for a bit. So I think even if Anthony Smith drops this one, or um, Ozdemir, I think. The talent pool isn't so deep that these guys aren't going to get more opportunities down the line. But whoever wins here, obviously the division isn't super stacked. There's not a lot of clear contenders. So they can really jump some people here if they get a win. Um, I think Ozemir, I just I, I like that kind of the hype still around him. Even though, you know, he but he, you know, he lost to DC. There's still something about him that he kind of has. He's still riding off that a little bit, I think. Marcus, if you want to just lean into it and just call him Voldemort, I can start putting hashtag Harry Potter and our fucking I mean, SEO I'm not stuff. Go that. I'm just gonna <laughs> butcher it close enough where it doesn't hit a different name that I know is. Wrong. I'm just saying, like, I'm, we're so close to us getting all the Potter heads. Accidentally, Voldercan. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I could almost, I, I mean, I could almost say we talk about Voldemort, and then the kids are gonna. I might listen. We tricked some people into listening to this shit. 
All of a sudden, we got like 10,000 listeners. Pottercast with Bobby, Mike, Steph, and Mark. That's the I show mean, we need to do. They must really love Harry Potter if they got like 40 minutes into a podcast that hadn't mentioned it once up to I that I just point. need that callback. <laughs> just give me that taste. Give me that taste. You know what I like. I'm going to put fucking timestamps in our fucking description just so they can bring up the Voldemort part just for these kids, man. Um, we have a lot of analysis for a fairly inconsequential card. Um, Michael Johnson, Artem Lobov. Um, full disclosure, so I was talking to Mike on when I was driving home, and Mike was helping me, you know, figure out, you know, the format for this show, which you, some people are wondering right now, you guys planned this shit? We really did, and this is what we came up with. But Mike said, let's pick this fight so we all can get a win. Um, the betting odds are suggest the same thing. Minus 650 for Michael Johnson, plus 475 for Artem Lobov. This was supposed to be Artem Lobov against the guy who jumped into the cage. That dude's not getting a check this week. Michael Johnson is. I got Michael Johnson because, come on, man. Stefan, what do you got? I mean, I would have had the guy who ju- was going to jump into the cage. Uh, I was, <laughs> damn it, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I was going to pick on this fight. I mean, I was about to ask before you went with the odds. I'm like, what odds would make you pick Artem Lobov? You know, like, what is the scenario that would make you pick Artem against anybody? I don't think any of us are picking him. Michael Johnson, the guy has been struggling... It's been hard to pick that guy, but this is the easiest pick of Michael Johnson I've ever made. Mark, Mike, anybody want to say anything? No, I was just going to say the exact same thing with Steph, but add in that I didn't even know who that guy was. Like, I literally, <laughs> just some guy that knows Habib good enough for me to beat Art, for him to beat Artem. Uh, I mean, uh, that's obviously selling him a little short. He has some decent wins, but yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence, especially against this guy. Uh, to answer your question, Steph, uh, the odds I would need to pick Artem Lobov, it's called 100% in that I would need to know that Michael Johnson's taking a dive. You still wouldn't trust him either. Let's be honest. It's true. Like Lobov Artem, still find Artem, some way Artem somehow him. hurts himself in a, in a fixed match for him. He slips inside the cage, pulls a Kevin Randall. Uh, I was anyway, also we're talking way too much about sure, Artem Lobov. I was also so yeah. sure we would all pick Michael Johnson that as I was making the article, I just put all of us as picking Johnson, even without this podcast going on. Um, I like it. <laughs> Misha Serkinov, Patrick Cummins. Uh, Serkinov's a huge favorite. Cummins plus 400, roughly. Serkinov, some of the shines worn off him as a prospect, as me and Steph were discussing before the show. Um, but he's minus 500. Basically, you're asking yourself, can Pat Cummins take this guy down? And if you don't think he can... Which, I mean, by the way, Misha Serkinov is not exactly an all-world wrestler necessarily. But Pat Cummins gets his ass whooped if he is standing with a man. Um, so I, I got Misha doing his thing, man. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there's definitely a way Pat wins this fight. Um, and it's through wrestling and, and just grinding uh, <laughs> Misha. But I, I just feel a lot more confident in Misha. Uh, so I'm going him. Stefan. Um, agreed, you know, and even if it hits the ground, uh, Misha's not a bad grappler. He, he has a decent amount he, of wins. He's not getting finished anyway. Yeah, he, he has a decent <laughs> amount of wins by submission he, to show that he's competent on the ground. But yeah, at Cummins, he's pretty much a one trick. You kind of know what you're getting with him. Michael? Cummins won't be able to get that trick off against Serkinov, uh, so we're going to clean sweep this one. Uh, Ed Herman, John Volante. Um, journeyman fight. Sir, uh, John Vellante is kind of like Ed Herman, like five years before after Ed Herman was Ed Herman. 
Um, just real quickly, Stefan played DraftKings for like a month or two. And he learned the very important part of playing DraftKings MMA, which is you just pick John Volante's fights because he's going to get hit and he's going to hit the other guy and they're going to take a while. And Stefan, you picked that up pretty quickly. You made some money on that, if I'm not mistaken, either. I think I cashed out with $7. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is DraftKings still a thing? And Mike, you still do it, don't you? I actually just started doing it again last week because I re-downloaded the app and I found out I still had 10 bucks from before I left to Japan. When do we get our legal? When do you get legal gambling in New York? Is that not on the menu for you guys? It's just Jersey. Uh, we're going to get it. We just don't have the, we, we didn't have all the infrastructure ready like New Jersey did. Mike, you should just go. You know what? You should only make bets when you're at work because it's in New Jersey. You can do it legally. You make your bets. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. I think they base it off your address, though, for that. How's that fucking work? You can bet in Vegas. You don't live in Vegas. Um, good point. I got John. I got John Volante. Ed Herman's old man. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, it's a weirdly kind of hard fight to pick. Um, we all agree that we all agree that John Volante is going to be winning. Whether or not he blows it in the middle of this fight is the question, right? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ed. Just there's really no good reason. There's no logic. <laughs> just, you said John. I say Ed. Our numbers go up and down. Whatever. Mike, I'm going with Volante. You cut out there, Volante. That would be correct. Stefan, um, I'm gonna actually make the case uh, that Mark wouldn't make. Yeah, John. There, there's a reason you could pick Ed Herman. John Volante is not very good. That guy loses a lot. He lost to Sam Alvey. Sam, I don't punch for 14 and a half minutes of a fight. <laughs> Alvey, like, John Volante's not very good. Um, Ed Herman, he's got a ton of mileage. They're both on two fight losing streaks. This feels like a loser leaves town match. Um, I'm going to take Ed Herman because I think the best Ed Herman, I could see that there was talent there. John Volante is one of the most disappointing, like, light heavyweight prospects in my MMA watching history. Um Fox. So, Mark, I'm going to say you don't feel confident, but you're following the leader in picks. So Yeah, I'm following you in scorched this is, earth. This is where, you just this is where we make up a game, Bob. I was, I was going to say, am I about to make up games because of Anthony Smith and John Vellante? Is that what's going to lead me to getting close again? <laughs> um, Look, we got Court McGee and Alex Garcia. We got to just picked it because we like Court McGee. That, that's why we're on board here. Court McGee is still... Best MMA fighter to meet because he's just around, man. He's always around. Stefan, what do you got in this one? Oh, fuck. Can you come back to me? I have to look up who Alex Garcia is. He's a cowboy. <laughs> that helps. There's like seven of them. No, just Mike. the Brazilian one, and then there's, you know, cowboy, cowboy. There might be a Cuban one, too. Mike, what do you no. got in this one? <laughs> um, I'm going with the man who beat heroin. Marcus, your feelings on the fight and heroin struggles in general? I don't like anyone to struggle with heroin. That's an awful drug that you should, uh, you know, kick the bucket on as soon as possible. Because I hear it just gets worse. It snowballs. Um, I, I'm going with Alex Garcia. I mean, we all love Court McGee. He's a great guy. Uh, just he, he not only has his career been inconsistent with wins and losses, just his his fighting schedule has been inconsistent. He doesn't get a lot of fights in so i feel like um alex is the guy that has been in the octagon more more recently even though it's been a loss i'm gonna go with him just having less ring rust stefan 
Uh, coming back around as I look at Alex Garcia's record, I'm picking. He's the favorite in this fight, so uh-huh. um, I don't think we even mentioned that at minus one eighty five. But I'm looking at his record, and this man is straight up alternating wins and losses. And uh, based on that pattern, he's due for a win. So I'm gonna take Alex Garcia here. Yeah, I I, I like Court McGee, but Alex Garcia. There's some good people on that list too, if I'm not mistaken, right, Steph? I mean, I'm gonna go Alex Garcia. Um, I mean, yeah, it's really that just mid range. You, you lose to your did, your did he beat did he beat Mike Swick? <laughs> you beat wait, wait, your Mike that, Piles and Mike Swick. Yeah, it's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say this was the guy who I said that if I won the parlay, I was gonna buy his UFC fight kit, and I didn't win the parlay because I'm an idiot and blew the blew it earlier on the night. But yeah, here's some I, betting I, I, uh, as as gambling legalizes. Here's some betting advice out there for some of you novice gamblers: never include someone like Alex Garcia in your betting lines. Just don't even touch him. Like. Win or loss, you, these guys don't need to be involved. Just, just yeah. ignore them. You better have drank a lot of fruity ass drinks. You know, a couple of the tall ones. If you were that far down the card making bet picks, Mike, did you pick the guy? You picked uh, Court McGee, right? I picked the man who busted heroin. That's right. Um. All right. Um. Let's just do stuff we like. <laughs> um. Real quick though, um, there's some sad news that broke uh before we started the show. Where uh, word got out that uh, Roman Reigns, the professional wrestler, um, dude is suffering from leukemia. Um, which is, uh, that's just fucking rough, man. Uh, Roman Reigns, known as Liati Joe, Joseph Anoa'i, member of the Anoa'i family, which I think I've explained before. Every single Samoan professional wrestler you've ever heard of, except for Samoa Joe, is part of this family. Um, Roman is the man in the WWE. He's 33 years old. He's got three kids. His wife just gave birth to twins. Um, young guy, man. And he's the locker room leader over there. And he's wished all the best to him. That's really it. Um, from a somber note to stuff we like, Marcus, let's lead off with you. Uh, yeah. So obviously we, uh, started the show off with it and we'll be talking about it more next week when we actually get it. But a couple big well, there's one really big game coming out. Obviously, that's Red Dead on Friday. Um, touch on the controversy real, real quick. Um, there's been a lot of controversy with Red Dead in this last week because uh, Dan Hauser, uh, one of the like basically like the co-creator of Rockstar, in an interview said that he that they worked multiple hundred hour weeks to get the game done. And there's this whole thing going on in the game industry and, and game journalism about crunch and how horrible it is for these developers that have to work, you know, these really bad hours. So there's a lot of backlash from that. Um, th- everyone's talking about how he, like literally huge the game is size wise. Um, it's supposed to be 150 megabytes on Xbox One. So it's easily like the biggest game. Um, but really, uh, for me, I'm just super excited about it. And this week, what has already happened today is what's always what always happens right before a big Rockstar game is released. Things start leaky, leaking, and there's already been a 24-second video that leaked, and everyone's going crazy about it. It's literally just the main character gets off his horse and starts shooting some guys. And we were like, this game's fucking amazing. He's like, what'd you think it was gonna like what it was gonna look like? Um, Bob, what you might uh, recognize if you saw the clip was they're obviously just using like the Max Payne engine. Cause what people really dug was after and Max Payne, and they do this in Red Dead apparently too, the last shot you get off that kills someone, they do a big slow-mo and you pan in on the guy and you see the bullet go through him real slow-like. And they're doing that they in Red they Dead. Didn't do that in, they didn't do that in Redemption? I don't... 
They might have. And maybe look, man, the most out. important part of this game for me is not accidentally skipping how to do the fucking uh, the duels. The dead eye. The dead yeah, eye. eye stuff. Yeah. I skipped it. I skipped it in the game. Mike, as a tip, don't hit next because they don't give you that t that fucking tutorial ever again. And then you're struggling for the next 80 hours. Can I say this reminds me? Because I remember talking about this with Mark and I. If I recall, I think Mark had the same issue. I wanted to do it all movie style where you take one, one clean shot. shot. I don't know why every time I dueled, I somehow unloaded like 12 shots. Yep. In a oh, yeah. Six shot oh, yeah. I got would fire like 15 oh, I, times. I, I, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just kept pulling the trigger. I'm like, we're shooting everything. Let's go. Yeah, that, no, me and Steph on the same point. Like, I want to have a nice, clean duel. Because, you know, in the movies, they never shoot him eight times while he's falling on the ground. My dude's a fucking psycho. I got to unload the whole gun into him. <laughs> uh, no, but but honestly, uh, Rockstar is just literally on another level. And I loved the quote. One of the guys from IGN, I'm totally blanking on his name. He's the uh, Xbox editor. How he kind of coined what Red Dead 2 is after he, he did their five-hour preview Basically, if Rockstar is basically a developer that has an infinite amount of talent with infinite amount of money and infinite amount of time to create this game, it's been in development for eight years. And uh, they, I mean, when you when you beat Red Dead 2 and you see the credits and they literally go on longer than any movie or any other video game, it's because like literally thousands of people work on these games and they put a shit ton of time and effort into just the smallest details. And that's really why I like Rockstar. When you look at uh, GTA V, there's so many little minute details um, and animations like dudes wearing flip-flops and the flip-flop actually flips and flops. It's not just like glued to his feet. It's all these little things in animation that, and people have already played the game are saying the same thing. And you can see it in that 24 second clip, just the amount of detail that goes into every little thing into the game. I'm super excited to play it. Um, yeah, so Red Dead's obviously the big one, and but not not to forget uh, today when you guys are listening to this, the first of three DLCs are coming out for Spider Man. I thoroughly enjoyed Spider Man, and I look forward to getting in there a little bit before Red Dead kind of steals a spotlight for the next month or so. I straight up didn't buy Spider Man because Red Dead was coming, and I knew no, I'm about to abandon this fucking game. So that's why I was playing WWE 2K17 this past weekend. <laughs> It's my game of choice. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? I have a incomplete stuff we like. Um, about six or five episodes into the third season of uh, Daredevil. Um, it's showing that it's still the best of the four series with Jessica Jones, a close second, and a RIP to Iron Fist and Luke Cage. I mean, I guess. Hey, man, that second season of Iron Fist was better. Easy. <laughs> did you finish Iron Fist season two? I honestly, I, I just did. didn't care about the. I watched the first two episodes. I just didn't give a fuck. Bobby, like, I got thirty seconds in when they made a SpongeBob joke, and I was like, "And." Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I think I'm a little scarred from Luke Cage season fucking uh, two. There, man. There's a lot of fucked up things in that one. <laughs> Luke Cage season two definitely felt like a waste of my time. So uh, I feel like mean, an old man. I don't know I'm if like, we're going to talk much. more about Daredevil later because I haven't finished it either. I think I'm six episodes in. I haven't even started it. And um, yeah, I mean, I was going to come in, I'll come in on it with for myself. My, my hot but. take right now is like, I'm, I think I'm just kind of over the Marvel Netflix shows in general. I haven't watched any of them since Defenders until this one. And I can, I can already tell like the show isn't 
bad. Like I'm still I'm enjoying watching it and stuff, and just like I'm not as emotionally invested as I want was once was when this whole thing first kicked up. And I just and I think I talked about it with Steph and uh, our friend Eddie, but it's just like I kind of at this point really need to see these dudes in superhero costumes a lot more frequently doing more superhero stuff because there's still lots of, you know, drama in in story building and a lot of good story building when they're kind of, you know, acting as civilians. But I don't know. I kind of want a better mix kind of and I hate to say because I don't watch the WB shows either, but like those shows Dudes are in costumes, fighting villains a lot more frequently than they are in Netflix. It seems like how far I've gone into, I've gotten one really, I mean, and really one of the few ever in the whole series of all this, like a superhero fight where it's two people that have kind of abilities fighting each other. And it's, it's so good. And that's just like, that's part of the problem is like, man, this is really good. I wish we got this every episode instead of most of the episodes when it's action and it's Daredevil being a bunch of dudes. And what makes him kind of fun is he kind of gets beat up too. And he's really got to stick it out there and be a tough guy. But uh, seeing him fight another super ability person is just like, oh, this was really cool. This was fucking fun. I just wish I got that a lot more often. All right. Mike, did you have more? Sorry, I stole it. Now we good. <laughs> Steph, I mean, I was actually I guess I'll just continue it because I was going to come in. I think, you know, me and Mark talked a little bit about it. Um, I'm on the I'm, I, have, I just have the season finale to go. So I'll try to keep it like as mostly spoiler free conversation. Um, but I'm 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 high on it more than Mark is. I think I've just come to accept certain parameters about it. Um, I kind of joked with Mark the whole promise that all these Netflix shows were a connected universe. It was more of a tease than anything, because um, it's one of those feelings. You just kind of got to bury it. It's like. The gravity of this season, it's like, it really seems like he could use some help. It really seems like Luke Cage could make a lot of this easier. It really seems like Jessica Jones could make a lot of these problems a lot easier. But um, it's just not part of it. But, you know, um, I, I think when you watch Daredevil, it's one of my problems I have with Defenders. The tones of all four of the shows were just so wildly different. And there was something just grittier, darker, and realer about Daredevil from the start. Um, but the biggest reason I praise it is because the one thing Daredevil does not suffer from is what one of the historical complaints against Marvel properties are in general, and that's weak villains. Um, if there's one thing Daredevil really has going for it is compelling fucking villains. Um, it's no secret that the main villains of this season are Kingpin and Bullseye, and I think they do awesome in setting up their pathos in giving them an arc for what makes them a villain. You know, it's it's not just bad guy of the week with these people. Like, these are well-plotted and well-thought-out, like, fully-formed characters. And I think it deserves props for that because that's one of the biggest complaints against Marvel in general. Um, based on where Mark and uh, Mike both are, I, I think it gets better and better. It's usually the later season, the, like, episodes you know, kind of six through 10 it's historically where they, all these seasons lull out. Um, I think we've watched all the Netflix series and we can kind of unanimously agree. They all feel maybe four to five episodes longer than they should be. Um, but the one thing that really impressed me about this daredevil season is, uh, when you think it's going to lull, when you think it's going to slow down, it actually finds a way to keep escalating and raising the stakes. So, um, when in the part where I expected to get a little bored of it, um, it actually ramped up the stakes, in my opinion. So I really enjoyed that. Um, 
but don't want to talk too much without revealing specific details. Uh, I got through the first season of the other show I mentioned last week, Kim's Convenience. It is a really cute sitcom with a lot of heart. Um, if you have any type of immigrant family background, I think it just helps you appreciate it more. Um, so I've been really been enjoying that. And um, just another quickie is um, everyone who ever listened to this or just knows me knows I love My Hero Academia. Um, I was so excited at the conclusion of the last season um, in a move akin to me with the Naruto series. I've decided I can't wait for the next season. So I am now officially reading the manga for it because I want to know more. And um, yeah, uh, love you, Horikoshi. It's a shonen series I really love. Right on. Um, Mine this week, I think it's just me left. Um, Mine's just a little anecdote. Made me happy. Um, So my my folks are in uh, Austria right now. My uh, my grandfather died in beginning of August, and he lived in Austria. Uh, Iranian guy living in Austria. It's a complicated story. But Grandpa lived in Austria, and you know um, he was living there alone because my grandma died like fourteen years ago. So my b- parents are over there right now, packing up his stuff. And uh, you know it's just it sucks, you know, doing going through all that stuff. You know, just bring back as okay as you are with it, then you got to go through that again. Are we gonna get more so my- cement guns, Bobby? <laughs> no, okay, that was. <laughs> Um, so am I talking to my dad and I'm like, I call him to tell him this cause I thought I'd make him happy. And I'm like, dad, you missed it. Chris Paul got punched in the face. All right. And Chris Paul, I'm sure is a nice guy, but as a basketball player, I don't like him. My dad, he don't like him either. So I call my dad. I'm like, dad, Chris Paul got punched in the face. And he goes, really? By who? And I'm like, Rajon Rondo. And my dad goes, ah, that guy looks like he knows how to punch. I'm like, it was a good one, dad. He got him nice and clean. So I made my dad laugh quite a bit. He enjoyed that. (laughs) That uh, Chris Paul got punched in the face. By the way, not a bad left hook, quite frankly, in the heat of the moment. Was there a Rondo landed on him? What's the context of this? Uh, Heated barbecue in a game? Uh, it's it was actually a pretty big fracas. Um, I, I imagine you won't know all the names. It started with James Harden flopping, and then Brandon Ingram pushed him, and then Brandon Ingram decided to fight with a referee. That was that was. That, weird. I thought I think he was trying to fight through the referee. No, to the he, person he got behind right him. in the face of a referee. Like he he <laughs> was really thugging up on the referee. So the timeline of events is uh, Chris Paul gets his like arms crossed and his mean mugging Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo spits in the face of Chris Wait, Paul. Wait, did he actually spit him? Allegedly. Is that video that? There is very clean footage of him spitting in Chris Paul's face. No, no, no. no. There's very clean footage of spit spittle eating his mouth. <laughs> that doesn't Was there a tank of the spit? I think is the question. And then, uh, but, but Chris Paul, I mean... I can forgive him a little bit if he was spit on, but he does one of the uh, most, if I can say, bitch-made moves possible, is where he takes his pointed finger, puts it in the face of R- Rondo, and shoves him with that pointed finger in the Yo, face. That's, the the that's, Poindexter push. That's a fighting move in the hood. And then from yeah, there, no. Rajon Rondo connects with a big overhand right, but Chris Paul actually tags him back with an uppercut. I was amazed by that. And then Brandon Ingram sucker punches a player not involved in the back of the head. So a lot of things, a lot of moving parts. What was this? Well, I thought Rondo Rondo got the left hand, man. I thought it was a big left hand he got away. Uh, He had a big hook, overhand hook of some kind. And it looked like Ingram was trying to get at Chris Paul. 
but instead he uh he took a haymaker to the back of PJ Tucker's head. And, and also, you can't <laughs> you can't say it's a sucker punch when the fracas is already in motion. Well, well what? Many you got to announce you're about involved. to swing also. Wait, 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 wait. I want Mike to say fracas again. Mike, can you say fracas again for me, please? Fracas. <laughs> fracas, okay. <laughs> so you, you got to announce who you're going to swing on when you're in a fight already? No, that's not how this works. I just want to say, if I was any kind of editor, this podcast would have led with this co- would lead with this conversation because it's definitely the highlight. Oh, uh, can I say um, one of the highlights of this whole thing to me, and it, it will be stuff I like this week. Is uh, did anyone hear former Warrior Javale McGee's comments on this when being interviewed in the locker room? No. What did he? What did? What did, what did Javale say? Javale uh, is one of the quotes of 2018. Is man, I hated to see everyone fighting out there. But dot dot dot. I really liked how everyone was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Carmelo got into it for a minute. Like there was a chance Carmelo was gonna do something. Like, come on, Carmelo. Come well, on, man. <laughs> what I really liked was the video of when you see Brandon Ingram getting back into the fray. You just see Lonzo Ball just kind of lightly strolling, walking, and then like a cl- something clicks in his head, and he just thinks, "Wait a second. I got criticized for not joining into a fight last year. Let me make like a half effort to run well, into the circle. Yeah, you know, James Harden just standing at the free throw line because he's just like, I'm here to shoot free throws, baby. I don't know what this fight's about. <laughs> you guys, you guys get the fuck out of the way. Big James got free throws. He got free points to get here, guys. <laughs> God, I like it every other sport. Like people shit on MMA and boxing and, you know. As they're like, like you know, oh, it's not civilized and shit like that. And every other sport, every motherfucker is just praying for a fight to break out. Yeah. It's all you hope for watching any of those other sports. Tommy's not bad with this. It kind of makes the UFC thing seem not as, you know, at least those guys. I mean, they didn't fight least, in the stands. But at least at least Habib was wearing gloves, right? I mean, he had <laughs> to wear on for himself. I, I know one thing I like is that when someone told me, oh, uh, a fight happened uh, in the Laker game, all I asked was, was it a basketball fight or a real fight? It is true. For context, if you're not a basketball fan, I love basketball. I think there are legitimately tough guys, but man, basketball fights are some of the silliest fights. They just they just they just swing wildly. It's very it's a very poor looking fight. I like baseball fights because you get you have time to get a running start. Like the guy's got time to plan a little bit where this is gonna go, and he never has a good idea. It's always terrible. Well, it never gets it. There's anywhere. always the one guy who has the flying helmet. That's my mm-hmm. favorite part. Is you hear like I'm gonna throw this helmet at you. I like the guys who lightly jog in from the bullpen. Like fuck, man, really? We're gonna start this? All right, I'll waddle out. And I like the hockey fights because there's a good chance someone's just gonna slip. <laughs> That's kind of the hockey fight rule, though, right? Is uh, we'll allow you to fight, but as soon as you go down, okay, now we're done. We're done. We don't take it to the you know, here. I'm going to put this out there. My favorite basketball fight, and most people go with Malice at the Palace because a fan got punched in, right in the face by Jermaine O'Neal, which was like the, maybe my favorite thing ever to happen to an NBA game, period. <laughs> but uh, Knicks versus Heat, not the one where Jeff Van Gundy got dragged. The one where CJ, uh, where not, not, Charlie Ward, where PJ Brown gives him a t- gives him like a tilt-a-whirl fucking gut-wrench suplex into the camera area. That is my favorite one of all time, that personally. Mike, you have a different one? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I thought when you mentioned the Knicks, you are going to mention this one. This one was my all-time favorite. 
because Chris Chad. It consisted of my all time all time favorite team in basketball and my all second second most favorite basketball player, Mr. Kobe Bryant. Knicks Lakers. That's when we learned Kobe can't fight. Because Chris <laughs> Childs gave him the three piece combo and Kobe didn't know what hit him. Dude, and, that was also like he had a commercial where he was like hitting pads uh, at the same time. Uh, that was not at the same time though. If you realized that commercial came out like the next year and people were thinking, ooh, ooh, Kobe getting ready for the next Well, I was gonna say, was that better? Was that before or after Reggie Miller whooped his ass? Because that happened too, if I'm not mistaken. Kobe can't fight. Nothing has changed. Well, I mean, yeah, we don't Maybe that was the thing with the Lakers back then because Charles Barkley said that uh, Shaquille O'Neal couldn't fight either. Oh, Shaq couldn't fight. Shaq went for like these big looping haymakers and couldn't hit anything. Steph, you got a favorite basketball fight? You know, fellas, I, I think we just birthed a new sec- segment, and that is uh, <laughs> famous fights in other sports. <laughs> Mark can't enjoy that one that much. <laughs> I, I only know one bo- basketball fight, and I think you guys are talking about this Palace thing. I'm guessing that's the one I kind of vaguely well, saw. Oh, yeah, where Ron Artest runs into the stands and hits the wrong fucking well, fan. One thing we could do is that every so often – send mark maybe a youtube video of one of these fights and we can have him break down the technique or lack thereof i mean um we're we're just we're off the rails here but since we mentioned the malice of the palace uh it it holds a special place in my heart because um that year i was competing in a 700 dollar uh, entry fantasy basketball league Uh, i I remember this like clear as day i was number one in this league by a wide margin and then the malice in the palace happened and I had nine of these suspended players. Uh, at this point in the year, the Detroit Pistons and Indiana Pacers were leading for the best record in the NBA. Not just the Eastern Conference, the NBA. This is the year that's that's how good those teams were. And I had almost every major party involved in the malice at the Palace. Dude, I remember talking to you because I'm like, yo, you see the Pistons and the Pacers. And you're like, what happened? And then like you're clearly Googling and you're like... Oh fuck! I had I got all I these had, guys. I had three active. <laughs> I had three active players. The fantasy league I was competing on. Part of why it ended up being like a fifteen thousand dollar pot is uh, the part of the league rules was you paid ten dollars extra to the pot per drop and pickup, and uh, the <laughs> oh, league, no. the league created a special waiver <laughs> oh, for me no. because I needed to acquire thirteen new players, and they. <laughs> The rest of the owners took pity on me and like it's unfair for Stefan to have to pay two hundred dollars due to this fracas. Dude, you had you had Wallace, Artest, fucking Steven Jackson, I had had Jermaine O'Neal. Jermaine O'Neal, who you mentioned it, a seven a seven foot behemoth of a man who had a running punch on a fan who entered the floor, who if I recall was a like pudgy five foot nine like puerto rican guy dude was like kneeled over too like he was getting up and jermaine saw him and he's like kill shot baby boom running punch you have to understand for context it it really boiled over when a fan threw a drink onto ron artest and ron artest targeted the wrong guy it was like this skinny guy in glasses who was in a turtleneck pointing at the big black man who was Ben Wallace's brother who did it. It's like, he threw the drink at you. He threw the drink at you. And our test 
clubs this accountant fellow who's just trying to have a good time with his friends and uh yeah it was a it was a really crazy the, the guy goes from like excited to panicked because he's like oh here's run our test oh no easily the best visual from that is that obviously you couldn't get any audio because that fan wasn't mic'd up but when Rod Artest is just leaping over chairs like a gazelle going after this guy, he's at first oblivious, like, as any, any of us would be, just giddy to see a fight. And then he realizes Rod Artest is going after him. And you can clearly see him mouth, oh, shit. <laughs> God bless. This is the best part of this show, guys. Thank you for hanging in this long. This is your treat for us. Uh, we're going to be back next week. I'm going to tell you what next week's about, folks. We're going to talk about Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption, and we're going to talk about UFC 230. And by that time, I will be able to tell you whether I spent $26 on a shirt with Derek Lewis's face on it that says, my balls was hot. All right? I will have an answer to that whether I bought that shirt or not between now and then. I kind of hope the answer is you don't, just for your own respect. But Yeah, dude, if I was like 23 and not 32, I'd be like, okay, I'm buying that for sure. Now I'm just like, oh, man. He sold two thousand. And Derek's taking a nice check, but come on. When when would you ever wear that? The gym, the beach. <laughs> I want to get thrown out of rich. I want to get thrown out of rich white guy gym for wearing that shirt on a first date. That way, you'll know if she's a keeper. Uh, if if a girl, that's what like when I told you today. I saw a girl wearing a young buck shirt on OK Cupid. I'm gonna be the guy wearing the Derek Lewis "My Balls Was Hot" shirt. All right. See if anybody responds to me. Um. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, we're back next week. Talk about UFC 230. We're going to see if anybody thinks Derek Lewis is going to go out there and shock the world. Um, and then there's other fights, too. But we're going to talk about that in Red Dead Redemption. Um, until then, I was Dr. Law. Kid Presentable is here. Lavender Gooms was here. DJ Mark was here. Thank you all so much for listening. And peace out. See ya. Later.